This is Photo Biz X, episode number 433, and I have to say I am super, super excited to bring today's guest to you. We are talking about studio portrait photography. And when I say portrait photography, it's pets and people. And our special guest has been hitting milestone after milestone the last couple of years. He's been updating us inside the members Facebook group. We've been following along with his success story after story, and I've been waiting for the right time to bring him on as an interview guest for you. And I feel now is the right time because he's recently quit his full-time day job. He's hired an associate shooter and things just continue to go from strength to strength. I'm talking about Texan-based photographer John Glazer and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast-track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Now, I did allude to the fact last week that I am recording in a brand new studio space in my home. Now, what is different about this space is there's pretty much no walls (laughs) where I'm recording. I used to have a nice quiet room, an office, but now I'm working from the loft in our new home and there are no walls around me. Well, There are half-height walls, so I can hear everything going on through the whole house, which means you will be able to as well. And today, not only do I have Linda here at home cooking and doing her work in the house, as well as work for the business, there's also a carpenter here doing some work in the garage. So if you do hear drilling and hammering and noises, that's what's going on in the background today. (laughs) There you go. I'm pretty sure you heard that hammer then. Look, we're going to get into today's interview, and like I said, I really am excited about bringing this episode to you. I had to keep holding back the urge to bring John on too early because what I was afraid of was that you might think, well, this is just a flash-in-the-pan success story. He's going to you know, hit some great numbers now, but it's all going to die in, in the near future. He can't keep this going. And I didn't want it to be like that because my gut feel was he he was just going to keep going and keep running and improving and growing this business. And I want to share with you, just before we get into the interview and to sort of set the scene a little bit, I want to share with you some private messages that John and I had been exchanging in the lead up to recording this interview. So earlier this year, on July 27th, John wrote to me and he said, just had to share this with you. I had my first ever five-figure sale yesterday. I nearly cried when the client left the studio. (laughs) Ha ha. How good was that? Also, in that same conversation thread, John says, my projections for 2021, the calendar year, are over 500,000 US dollars. I've already shattered my one-month revenue record this month, and I still have the rest of this week, and I have nine more sessions booked. Also, I hired an associate photographer who is starting to shoot sessions every other Sunday, starting this Sunday, and he won't sell, but he'll shoot, which gives me double the amount of sessions on a Sunday, and I'm filling these sessions. I'm booking an average of 11 sessions a week for the year, and that average has been 13 and a half per week since the start of April. It is unreal. Skip ahead a few months to September the 10th, and John says, I've averaged 
50,000 US dollars a month the last three months. I'm on pace for 80 to 90,000 dollars this month. Absolutely unreal. A little over a week later on September 19th, he says, not sure when you're going to release my podcast episode, but just for your information, I should be at my 500,000k of revenue in my last 15 months. I'm $11,000 away from it and I could make that tomorrow because I have four sessions booked. But if not tomorrow, definitely by the end of next week. (laughs) And then September 25th, he says, made my $500,000 mark today with a smiley face. Like how good is that? With all that in mind, we're going to get straight into this interview with John Glazer. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Oh, and just quickly, if you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with John. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. So if you are loving what John shares in the first half of this interview, grab a trial membership check out what you're missing out from every guest starting with john today and you can do that for as little as one dollar with a 30-day trial membership head over to photobizx.com forward slash try for more details on that trial membership and do yourself a favor don't miss out on this interview with john glazer photobizx.com forward slash try for more details on how you can hear the full interview today Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. To say that I am super excited to have today's guest with me is an absolute understatement because, and you will understand this if you are a PhotoBizX premium member, we have been following this guy in our group for the last couple of years and it just seems like he's kicking goal after goal after goal as he takes the step after step to success. And uh, you know he's gone from this let's say, small-time portrait photographer into lately quitting his day job, opening a studio, his full-time photography. He's all in on this and he's absolutely killing it through the pandemic. Nothing seems to be able to stop him. He always seems happy and uh, no wonder with the success he's having. I am really, really looking forward to having this conversation today. I'm talking about John Glazer from John Glazer Photography and I'm wrapped to have him with us now. John, welcome to the podcast, mate. Welcome. And thanks, Andrew. I'm thrilled to be here. It's a joy <laughs> to be here, man. I've had to hold myself back from inviting you onto the podcast for the last year because that's when it felt like you've been kicking goals. You know, for the last 12 months, every post was, you know, another great sale, another milestone. How has it felt for you? Uh, it's a little surreal. I mean, I've been doing photography for about six years now and for the first like five of that, like it didn't seem like I was making any headway and then I was banging my head against the wall and, and I, I just, I wasn't doing anything that I wanted to do and making the goals that I wanted. I was heading down different paths of stuff that just didn't pay off and all that stuff. And to do it in a pandemic, it adds to the whole thing. You're like, it still blows me away that out of all the time in my life to be able to do the photography successfully, it's just like, it's pandemic and it's a little surreal. I'm not going to lie. So <laughs> that you have a home, a wife, kids. Like, What was the reaction at home when you presented the idea of potentially quitting or giving up your day job? 
my wife was a little worried. Um, like she wasn't because she, she had to see the proof in the pudding when we first did this whole thing, right? To go back a little bit, I did an event three years ago, I think that didn't go well. I was told I was going to make a bunch of money. It was a a gymnastics event with like 1500 gymnasts. And I ran a team of photographers and it was a total train wreck. And I went from making a bunch of money to losing $35,000 on that event. Wow. And yes. And I was $35,000 in the hole. So you can imagine like to answer your question, what my wife was thinking when I said, I want to open a studio and hire a business coach and all this stuff. And she's like, "Uh, I don't know about that because She's already like, we're still paying off that debt from a few years ago. That was a total train wreck. And this is another total train wreck about to happen. So there was a lot of, a lot of anxiety there, but you know, she did, you know, I, I like, as you know, my coach is Bernie Griffiths. And when I met with him and he did his little thing, she said, you get two months, I'll give you two months. And if you can't make this happen in two months, photography is going to be a hobby and don't ever talk to me about it being a job. Don't ever talk to me about being a business, but you get two months and, you know, it took one weekend and I was just like, my wife's like, okay, I'm sold. Like, let's keep going down this road and see what happens. And it just, every week it got bigger and bigger and bigger. Now it's to the point where like, she doesn't even ask when I come home, like, how are your sales? Cause she just knows it's the train is just moving. And, and, you know, like, I made a five figure sale a couple of weeks ago and that was probably the first time I came home and I was kind of like, I handed her the invoice and I folded it in half and she was like, what's this? And I said, just read it. <laughs> and she goes, are you serious? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, <laughs> she couldn't believe it. So, I mean, there's still like some of those little, so exciting moments that, you know, but now it's just becoming every day. This is the expectation and this is what we're doing. And To have that conversation about quitting the job was another big one. We had to hit some benchmarks and have some things that we could see. I'm a big stat guy. I have stats for everything in my business. It's ridiculous. Um, Bernie gives me a hard time a lot of times. Like, you do too much. I'm like, I was a coach back in my day. I did sports and I was the stat guy usually. And I was always the guy that said, oh, we need to do this at this time in the game because this player is really good because I was like always looking at the analytics and the stats. And so I do the same thing in my business and it shows the picture of where you're going and what you're doing. So that was the part that made my wife a believer and saying, you know, we weren't at every goal that we wanted to be at when I quit my job, but I was just like being full-time in my job was holding me back. And she saw that. And in one month since I've quit my job, my revenue went from you know, $30,000, to $65,000 in my first full month by itself. And uh, so you can just imagine it's just like, okay, if that's the first month, what are the next months going to look like? So it's been pretty exciting. So hang on, I'm sure the listener caught that. Did you just say 35000 a month when you were working full-time and it jumped to 65000 in your first month after quitting? So my last full month of my job, I did 48,000. The month before that was 36 and then 34, 32. So that was kind of a sequence of months. And then this last month, July was my first full month, full time. And I did 65,000. Unbelievable. You know, what's so funny about this is, you know, Marcus Anthony, who was also coached by Bernie. Yeah, we talk a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You talk a lot. Okay, so Marcus revealed some, I think he said around the time, from memory, $30,000 a month. Anyway, 
I ran a Facebook ad, you know, talking about Marcus and his success and what he shares in that interview. I was advertising PhotoBizX for the podcast. And I had so many comments from people saying, this is total garbage. There's no way any photographer is doing those kind of numbers. You are just selling false promises. <laughs> oh my guys. <laughs> I used to think the same thing. I'm not going to lie. I would see and hear other people do things and I'm like, how are they doing it? And I was just like, I was dumbfounded. You know, I've told you the story where like, you know, I think it was two years ago, I was on a summer vacation to Ohio. I live in Texas. It's a 20 hour drive. We drove there. And then in part of that, we went to Niagara Falls, which is another eight hour drive or something like that. And I'm not lying. That's when I got kind of introduced to you in Photo Biz X. And I became a member at that time. And my wife listened to like 60 hours of Photo Biz X interviews. <laughs> I'm not lying. Like, that's not an exaggeration. Um, my kids were in the back listening to their iPads and playing whatever. And they had their headphones on so they could care less what I was listening to. I drove the whole time. My wife's engrossed in books, but kind of half listening. And after one would be done, I would say, uh, pick the next one. And she would just go through and start naming titles. And I'm like, oh, that one sounds interesting. Play that one. And it was literally like, it's 20 hours to Ohio, another eight to Niagara Falls, <laughs> and then all the way back. And it's just like, you know, it's what got me going. But then in that, I uh, became a PhotoBizX member. I got introduced to Brian Kellogg. Brian Kellogg kind of got me introduced to Bernie, you know, and then, you know, I listened to the, I guess it's the famous 136 podcast on Facebook ads or whatever. And so I went and listened to that. And Brian gave me some advice too, that I started my first ad and I actually started getting leads. And I was like, okay, this is real. This is like actually working. And now I was like, I don't know what to do with this after this. So that's when I contacted Bernie and I was just like, okay, what do I do? And we had a meeting and then the rest is history, but it's real. Like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I have had to work my butt off to get to where I'm at today. My wife and kids are super supportive because, you know, for the first year of doing this journey, there was a lot of dad not being home because I was literally working two full-time jobs, doing 30 sessions a month for photography and working a 40-hour salaried job. But I knew what my goal was and it was to quit my day job, you know, but my ultimate goal is I want to have a substantial, not just like a studio that's just like doing okay and, and paying the bills. I want it to be like super profitable and replicated. And, you know, I was just talking to somebody the other day, what I love about doing what I'm doing is I love the photography. Don't get me wrong. That's what got me in here, but I love being a businessman. You know, and I love running my studio as a business. You know, I've hired an associate photographer that's starting to do stuff with me now. And so I can take a day off, but, you know, it's just, it's running it as a business and stop looking at it as, you know, yes, my name is on the marquee and it says John Glazer Photography, but it's a business and I want it to be a profitable business. And so, you know, it's motivating and it's actually happening. It's like everything that I've, like you said, I mean, I put a goal out there. I want to do it. And then it happens. And I mean, some of that's luck, but I think a lot of that's just hard work and dedication to it. For sure. Does the photography side still excite you? Because I know that you are business focused. I know that's what it's all about, but does the photography and your photography is absolutely gorgeous. And I want to talk a little bit more about it in a minute, but does it still excite you to go to a session? Oh, I love doing sessions. Like, I mean, the only thing I don't like about doing sessions is I want to take a day off, you know what I mean? But I love sessions and 
you know, through this journey, I've kind of experimented with some different genres just because I was just like, I like doing family. I never imagined myself doing family stuff because I started out as a sports photographer and then doing singer sports portraits with athletes, but it just didn't pay off. And it's on location and in Texas. If you know anything about Texas, the heat and the humidity in the summer is ridiculous. And just doing an on location shoot was no fun. And the weather was just who knows what was going to happen. Um, doing a studio in an air conditioned <laughs> can make, you know, way more money in a day, like doing shoot and sell than I can doing an on location in one session in a day. But I love doing photography and, you know, it excites me. I was just, I was telling Bernie this yesterday when he and I were talking, I like, I never ever in a million years thought I'd be a pet photographer. We got our own dog and I did some photos of her and with my kids. And I said, well, I'm going to run an ad, see what happens. And it's become my number one business. And I love it. Like even the dogs that drive me crazy, I absolutely love it. And it's the, like the most fun and it's, you never know what you're going to get. Like with families, you kind of know what you're going to get most of the time. You know, you get crazy kids and all that stuff every now and then, but with dogs, like a person comes in with a six dogs and you're like, Oh God, how am I going to do this? And you never know what you're going to get, but it's, it's that problem solving and imposing and how am I going to get them to all look at me and all this stuff. It's just a lot of fun. And, but I love the photography. And I don't think anything's going to take me away from that love, but I love doing the business as well. So, so good. Right. There's so many ways I want to take this conversation, but just let me go back or take you back for a minute. And without <laughs> wanting to you know, reveal old sores and peel off scabs, how did you lose $35,000 on that, uh, that shoot? Was that because of stu- uh, wages? No. So, you know, photographing 1500 gymnasts, right? Becomes a very labor intensive thing. And I had to, you know, hire a bunch of different photographers to come work for me. It was out of town. It was in Galveston, which is about an hour and a half from where I live. And instead of having people driving back and forth, which they probably could have, but it was early mornings, late evenings, I got hotel rooms. So there was that expense. I hired photographers that I trusted, but some of them weren't sports photographers and they didn't take my advice on how to shoot. And so they did their own thing and the photos sucked. And so I refunded a bunch of money. Um, I rented cameras for everybody for that weekend. Cause I knew the lighting situation was going to be terrible. So like for all the Nikon people, I got the best Nikon cameras for all the Canon people. I got the, I mean, I'm a Canon guy. So I got one DXs, uh, Mark twos at the time. So there was a lot of overhead and a lot of expense, but I had talked to this guy who called himself a business coach. He wasn't a photography business coach. He was a business coach, quote unquote. And he was part of the organization that ran this gymnastics thing. And he told me, you know, oh, you can make a lot of money on this. And he was telling me kind of some figures and got me all excited. I mean, like we were looking at like a six figure weekend, you know, like that's what it was going to be. And it was a total cluster train wreck. I mean, you name it, it happened. And it just happened from the beginning. You know, you go into that kind of a situation and you don't know what to fully expect. I did as much research. I talked to a guy that does all the Olympic events and all that stuff. And he does the same kind of thing, shoot, and then, you know, sell it to the different athletes that, you know, he does big, huge events, but it just, it didn't happen the way that I anticipated it happening. And it just kind of snowballed from there. I remember the, like, I think it was the second night my wife and I were in the hotel room and you just could not understand the stress 
that was going on in that. I mean, it almost ended our marriage. I'll be honest. Like we went through some really rough times because of it. And I mean, we've come through on the other side, you know, it's helped us, it's grown us and made us stronger in the whole thing. But I made a lot of mistakes there. I perpetuated some of those mistakes. But anyway, this isn't a, a, a counseling session. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, is I, we grew enough trust that when it came time to do the studio thing, she had enough trust to like, and she had enough faith, like, which I appreciate. And I can't imagine the faith that she had to have in me after all that kind of stuff happened to say, let's do it. Let's try the studio thing and see what happens. And luckily it's been beneficial for us. That's so good. Again, I, I don't want to dwell on this, but that would be like a huge, a huge thing to take on for any photographer, any couple, um, any person in business. Like did it take a long time for you to, you know, stop losing sleep over that? Do you, do you even think about it anymore now, apart from me diving into it? No, I still think about it. Oh, you do? Really? You still do? No, I do. Like, it's it's funny because right before I got on this with you, I was talking to a good friend of mine who was one of the photographers that was at the event and we talked about it. You know, I just like I told him because he and I hadn't caught up in a while. So we talked on the phone and and I just said, it's unreal, like, you know, how where I'm at. And even today in my business where it affects me in my business today, even though I'm like, sitting here looking at a figure of 316,000 for the year of revenue. I'm waiting for the wheels to fall off the cart because in the back of my mind, I have that event that it went so bad that it's a driver and a motivator to not let that happen again. But at the same time, there is that little piece of me that still holds on to it. That's just like, when is this going to happen again? And this is too good to be true. Something bad's going to happen. And we're like, but it's not like, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't dwell on that, but that thought I'm trying to not have in my head, but it does come back, you know? Creeps in. Yeah. And, and it's like anything, you know, I mean, I'm a true believer. It's like, I'd rather talk about it and just get it out of the open than to just let it fester inside of me and everything. So I think it's a little bit of healthiness to kind of talk about it and joke about it. Cause like the Olympics just happened. And one of the uh, people that came to our booth, we had a, like a portrait booth there, like with a big seamless white backdrop. And one of them was the uh, Stetlana or whatever that she's been in every Olympics since like 1992 as a gymnast. And she came and we got pictures with her and all that stuff. And this was her last Olympics. She's, I mean, think about that as a gymnast from 1992 to 2020. Crazy. Uh, one, you know, so, you know, that, part like seeing her retire goes oh no the gymnastics meet that's where i met her and got to hold her medals and get pictures with her and she came to our booth and like took pictures with kids and all that stuff and you know so i mean it's so it does come back in my mind but i you know it's more of a motivator and more of a you know know that this could happen but I don't believe, I believe I'm heading in a completely different, and I learned a lot from that. That was the other thing I was telling my buddy today. I said, I learned a lot from making those mistakes and not trying to make those same mistakes again. Not to say that I haven't made mistakes in the last year or so in my current business, but it helps you to say, okay, I've made that mistake. How do I not make those mistakes again? Or how do I mitigate that mistake so that there's less harm if I'm trying to take a risk and do something different with whatever I'm doing at the time. Yeah. Awesome. But one of the other things you said earlier was that you were on these different paths and it sounds like, you know, you were listening to the podcast and you sort of, you 
talked to Brian Kellogg, you met Bernie, started running Facebook ads. So I get all that part. That's when things really sort of turned around for you. But when you talk about these different paths, is that, were you shooting different genres? Were you looking for a breakthrough? Was that just exploring photography and business? What was going on then before you had this breakthrough? Well, I mean, I was like the chicken with a head cut off. I didn't know where I was going and I was just like all over the place. You know, I got introduced to photography, like my father-in-law really introduced to me like a long time ago. He bought us our first camera or DSLR, but I didn't really get into it until later on. But he was always kind of a motivator and teacher for me starting out. But the thing when I was a coach and a teacher, a high school coach and a teacher and I coached football and girls basketball. And I was also a world history teacher, but I did video. And so because I was doing video that translated into me eventually doing photography I really love doing the sports photography thing and, you know, kind of like the rise in my studio photography business, the rise in my sports photography, like really went fast. I went from shooting high school photography. When I decided to dedicate shooting high school sports, I wanted to do college and pro. And that fall, like when I started shooting high school, I was like picking people's brains. And by the end of the year, I'd done my first NFL football game, Wow! you know, so like I started in what August doing high school games. And by December, it was December 24th. It was the day before Christmas. My wife said, never again, will you do a game on Christmas Eve? (laughs) But uh, I got credentialed to do the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Houston Texans game. And from there, I started doing bowl games and I got on with the USA Today sports images. So there was that path that I was kind of heading down that I was just like, I learned really quick. I mean, there's no offense to the sports photographers out there. Like, it's fun. It's great. There's just no money in it, in my opinion. I mean, unless you're really like the team photographer, even that is kind of sketchy. But um, so there was that path. Then it was also the senior path, like the senior photography thing that we talked about earlier. That was another thing. That's where I started experimenting with lighting. And I absolutely love playing with light and doing like real dynamic outdoor and, and on the court type of portraits, action type of things. So there was that path that was going on, but I just didn't know how to get clients with that. And then when I did get them, I didn't know how to sell to them. So I was trying to be a quote unquote high-end photographer, but I wasn't doing shoot and burn, but I didn't know, like I was pricing my products like, Hey, here's $50 for a canvas, you know? And I mean, it's like, I'm making five bucks off that canvas or whatever. So, so there was those kind of things. And I just didn't know really where I wanted to go when it came to making it a business. It was a hobby that I was making a little bit of money, but you know, it was never a business, if that makes sense. It does. It does. We're going to sort of skip ahead a little bit here because I've talked a lot. You've heard a lot of interviews that the listener has too about Facebook ads. Um, You already referenced episode 136, which is funny that you even know that. That's so good. (laughs) So for the listener. It's famous to me. You know, it's like, it's where I got my goal. You know, it's like. (laughs) So, yeah. So for the listener, if you feel at all lost when we're talking Facebook ads, go back and listen to episode 136 with Bernie Griffith. Have a listen to the interview with Brian Kellogg and Marcus Anthony. And you'll know all about Facebook ads. There's even a Facebook ads course on the PhotoBizX website, which is exactly the same type of ads that John is still running today. Like they still work. I still hear from listeners, um, these ads, do they still work or they're not working? It's like, yes, they still work as good as the day they, we sort of started discovering them and using this tactic. 
So that's all there. Well, I'll say 99% of my clients are from Facebook ads. So let me put it that way. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Using this same strategy. So if you're lost on Facebook ads, go and check out those resources. So John, let me take you past the ads. So you're running the ads, you've hired Bernie, you know, you're getting clients. What's the turnaround to making money? Is it a better price list? Is it selling products? Is it knowing how to sell? Like what's made you money? All the above. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it starts with the price list. Obviously you have to have something that's going to be profitable and it has to make sense for whatever you're doing and whatever your expenses are. And then what are you going to want to pay yourself? You know, I think often, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm speaking for my assumptions sometimes for photographers. I think they look at, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. And then they do the math and they say, okay, if I average $2,000 a client, and I do 50 sessions, then I've made $100,000 a year. Well, you haven't made $100,000 a year. You've made $100,000 in revenue, but you haven't made $100,000 for you. You know, I mean, there's expenses, there's products, there's ads, there's hiring somebody maybe to make your phone calls. Like I have a studio manager that does all that kind of stuff. You know, so there's all this stuff that you're not taking into account. And when you put your pricing together, it has to make sense to equal whatever that number is going to be, plus pay yourself and taxes and all that other fun stuff that we get to do as photographers. So I think the price list is one of the big ones. The second thing, like you said, was sell. I mean, you know, I like selling is a huge thing that I've just had to get better and better at. And I, I wasn't comfortable when I first did it. Like I remember when I first started with Bernie and like, I think it was a Monday We met with Bernie. My wife and I had a Zoom with him and he kind of did his spiel. And that night, my wife said, you get two months. I texted Bernie. I said, I get two months, but I have two sales sessions and a photo session or something coming up this weekend. And I need a low down, dirty. How do I sell? Like, give me a price list. How do I sell? So Wednesday, we got on a Zoom And we did, you know, he gave me like his soft sell system, like the low down and dirty of it really quick in an hour. And then I, and he helped me with the prices. I kind of already had a price list because I had talked to Brian Kellogg and he was nice enough to share his with me. And I kind of emulated his to start. And I went and did those first two sales. And between the two of them, I made $5,000. Wow. And I did exactly what Bernie told me to do. I didn't like deviate. He he said, do this, do this, do this. And I said, (laughs) okay, I'm going to do this, do this, do this. And I got done. I was like, it worked. (laughs) You know, what the heck? (laughs) Now, I mean, I've deviated a little bit since then. And I've, I'm always tinkering and tweaking pricing and, and trying out a new product here and there to see, you know, will people like it? But, you know, putting those prices to make it make sense. I had a friend of mine that lives here in Houston that she has a photography business. I'm always telling her, I'm like, you're better than what you charge, you know, charge more. And I texted her the other day and I just said, how are things going with your business? She goes, I'm just a terrible salesperson. And and what it came down to is you got to believe in yourself. You know, you got to believe in your pricing. You got to believe in like you're worth whatever that is and put it out there. And if somebody says, I don't think it's worth that, then you just have to be okay with that and move on. You know, I mean, that's a big mentality. I think that we have to have, like, I've heard people say, I'm so against zero sales. Well, that's fine, but that doesn't mean you're terrible at what you do. It's just somebody didn't value what you were worth, you know, or couldn't afford what you were, were worth, you know? And that's not an indictment on you. 
So stop taking it personally, brush it off. If I let my zero sales dictate where my business is going, then I would be not making what I'm making right now because I like I had a zero. Hang on. So are you saying you still get some zero sales? Oh, all the time. I got one yesterday. <laughs> so like you did a $60,000 a month, but you're still getting zero sales and you laugh about it and just move on to the next one. What am I going to do, Andrew? I mean, am I going to dwell on it and like, oh, oh man, those crazy zero sales. I just like, to me, it's part of doing business, you know? I mean, so, you know, I alluded to the five-figure sale I had last month. I had a almost a $14,000 sale. Never, ever thought in a million years that it could actually happen. You know, I mean, you dream of it. You think, oh, well, maybe one day I'll get a five-figure sale. And then it happens and you hand them that invoice and you're still like, are they going to actually pay this invoice, you know, and you hand it to them and they don't even bat an eye. They're like, Oh, whatever. $13,657, whatever. Not a big deal. Like, okay, here's my credit card. I actually have to do it in two because it's so much. I'm like, whatever, (laughs) you know? So if you dwell on those things, like the negative, if you dwell on the negative things that happen within your business, that's going to dictate the future of your business and the positives that can happen. So I just like, I'll do five sessions on a Saturday, shoot and set. Right. And so I could start off my Saturday with the zero sale. And if I let that one sale dictate the rest of my day, then I'm going to have a terrible day. So if they zero sale on that first sale, then the next four could be record sales. And that's how I have to treat them. So once I get past that zero sale, I just brush it off and go, okay, that doesn't mean I get frustrated, you know, and when you get a series of them, it gets frustrating. But I brush it off and move on because there's no sense in me worrying about like, okay, well, the next one is going to be, you know, a $5,000 sale. And I just believe that the next one is going to be the $5,000 sale or the $6,000 sale or the $10,000 sale. Sure. So let's say you're on a Saturday, you do, did you say five sessions on a Saturday? Five? Four or five. I mean, I try and do five. It just depends on the schedule and how it all plays out. So let's say you do five and the first one is a no sale. The next four are $5,000 each, for example. Do you say then, well, that was, you know, a $4,000 average for the day or you just say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great question. So when I look at my average at the end of the day, I include zero sales. Right. Okay. So when I say I have an $1,800 average for the month, that includes my zero sales. Now, like when I do my stats, I have like my stat sheet, for example, is sitting right here in front of me. And for this month, my average currently is 1482 on 10 sessions. But then I also have another little stat that I just keep just for myself, just because I like this mental aspect of it. And I take out the, I call them less than $500 sales, because to me, a $500 is like a lead loss, zero sales or just a single mat or something like that, right? And so I have seven of those. So if you take my average there, it's 2118. And so that helps me with the mentality of like, what if, but I mean, I don't dwell on the what if, because it's not going to happen. But, you know, if I can minimize those zero sales, I could be closer to that 2100. And talking about mentality, like with that, what you're saying too, my wife brought up a great thing. She's a very smart woman, by the way. And I tell Bernie that all the time, (laughs) because like she keeps me afloat when I'm like having a rough time. So the way I used to always do my stats is like every month I would have a new Excel sheet that would just kind of start from scratch, right? Well, the last three months, like I've had dismal sales the first week of the month, 
Right. And so when I look at the average after my first week, I'm like, man, I'm like averaging $600. This is ridiculous. And my sales average, but my sales average, since I started working with Bernie over 200 and something sessions, 232 sessions, my sales average is 1777. Right. So I had this mindset of like, man, I wish the sales were high at the beginning of the month. And I don't care if they're crap at the end of the month, because like mentally my average going down doesn't hurt nearly as much as I got to crawl back up. Yes, right. Yes. So my, my wife being the smart person that she is and the amazing woman that she is, she says, why are you looking at it that way? And I said, what do you mean? And she goes, why don't you start looking at, I have a week by week sales average, like a sheet with all, like with my stats, how many bookings I did that week. What's my sales average that week. What did I put in the bank that week? I have like a sheet week by week. So what I did on that sheet is I did a rolling four week average. Nice. Instead of looking at it at the start of the month, I did what's the last four weeks. And I made a a graph out of it. And the graph was like, it shot up. I was like, oh yes, thank you, honey. That makes me so much happier. You know what I mean? But when you look at it, but it's reframing that mindset of like, stop looking at it at the start of the month and look at it. What have you done over the last four weeks? And then, then it evens you out. Right. Yeah. When I have a bad week and I go, Oh, wow. I, I only made, you know, I say only some people are going to be like, only shut up. I only made $8,000 this week, you know, in revenue. Then I'm like, man, that's a crappy week. But then the next week it's like 20,000, you know, and then when I look at those weekly stats, I'm going, you know, I had an $8,000, one seven weeks ago, but then I rattled off a 15, a 20, a 16, back to back to back. And so just get over it, move on. I love, I love the rolling averages. That's such a beautiful solution to that up and down roller coaster of emotions. That's so good. Um, let me take you real quickly back to the photographer uh, speaking in general terms here that wants to make $100,000. And I agree with you 100%. If someone's making 100,000 in revenue, they're probably taking home closer to 50. So do you think if someone does want to earn $100,000, is $200,000 a good target? It's hard to say because it's really about your expenses. You know, like my studio expenses, like I live in a very high-end area and where I chose to, I mean, when I was looking for a full-up studio, I looked at a lot of different places and the cheap places. My wife told me, she's like, if I was a woman and I came to your studio at night to go and do a session in the winter, and it's a 6 p.m. session, I wouldn't feel comfortable there. Or it might be in a floodplain. And if you know anything about Houston, we get hurricanes and floods all the time. And I don't want to have to be replacing drywall and flooring and be shut down for a month and have that expense. So I figured it was better to be in a safe place that I'm paying more money, but I'm also in a high end area, which I feel like it fits my brand. And so I chose to take that risk to go into a higher end area. Plus, my studio is right next to a very, 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 very popular pie shop, like super popular pie <laughs> shop. And if you know anything about my studio, I think you've seen tour, like you've seen videos of me doing the tours or whatever of the studio. I have a glass storefront and it looks like a big living room when you walk by it. So I have all these, like, you know, I just have a big 60 by 30 with dogs on a couch out in the front above a couch. I have a big 40 by 40 with nine prints. So it looks like that's what people are walking by and seeing all the time. And so it intrigues them and it's like, Hmm, I don't know, you know, but they're all going to the pie shop. They're not coming to me, you know, <laughs> but it intrigues them and it gets them interested. And I live in a high end area where, you know, people have money and they have expendable income. So 
but the funny thing with there is I don't get a lot of people from my general area. I get them like they're coming from hour, hour and a half away to do photos with me. It's pretty crazy. I get more people that drive an hour than I do 10 minutes wow. <laughs> to come to the studio to do a session. <laughs> so does that mean then that the people that are coming to you may not be necessarily affluent, but they're finding the money to spend on the photography? No, I, I think there's totally that. I mean, one of the things that I've learned is, uh, you know, I think we were talking about this before the podcast is like, I always converse with people when I'm doing a session, probably like anybody else. And, you know, what they do for a living comes up. And sometimes we get this mentality when you hear them say, oh, I work at Walmart. You know, I'm a greeter at Walmart. You can do the math in your head and go, I know they're not getting paid a whole lot of money. And then, you know, you can mentally check out, you can choose to do two different things. You can mentally check out and say, this is going to be a crap sale. So I'm just going to wrap it up as fast as I can. Or what I choose to do is I'm going to give them the best experience, regardless of what they end up buying, because they might not ever have had an experience like this in a portrait studio. And so they get to see photos of themselves like they've never seen them before. And even if they can't afford it, you know, they might find a way once they see the photos. So that's kind of my mentality with that. But I've also had people that I know, like they're doctors and lawyers and whatever, they come in and they don't buy anything. So like, it's taught me that it's like, stop judging whoever's in front of you and what they do and just give them a great product and great service and treat them like gold and hope for the best at the end, you know, like, I mean, cause that's all you can do at the end of the day. Like if somebody comes in and they say they can't buy anything, I never get upset. I'm like, oh, that, and I totally understand. I get it. You know, I'm super cordial. I did make the joke that when we were wearing masks, is like, I hope nobody sees, like, when I'm not wearing a mask, like, again, someday in the studio that they see my reaction. But I don't, I have not worn a mask for a while. I'm back to wearing a mask because COVID's coming back, you know, with the Delta and all that stuff. But anyway, I learned I don't react. I just, I appreciate them being there and I treat them like they should be just because they're there and they allowed me to be their photographer for the day. Got it. I like that. You mentioned the pie shop next door. So when you say pie shop in America, is that meat pies or is this like apple pies and blueberry pies? (laughs) Bernie and I have had this conversation too. That's so funny because you guys in Australia, when you say pies, it's a meat pie. Yes. And I can't remember the brand, but you guys have a meat pie and he introduced me. He told me about it. I've never had one. I'm going to go there someday and have one. But no, it's a sweet pie. It's like apple pie, strawberry, you know, they have a pie of the week, which is a special pie. They only do like once a week or whatever. And it's usually some concoction that they design up or something, but it's a very, very popular place. It's a coffee shop type of thing. It's kind of cool too, because when I get done with sessions and while I'm calling, I have snacks and drinks in my reveal and, and sales room. I can say, Hey, go right next door, grab a cup of coffee, slice a pie. I'll buy coupons. I like buy a stack of uh, free pie coupons. Right. And I'll use them to kind of motivate the kids. Hey, if you're really good, I'll give your parents some pie coupons and you can get some pie for the 30 minutes that I'm going to be doing your photos. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. So do you guys have, you must have meat pies as well as the sweet pies. No, not so much. Really? So they're different. So like you say meat pies. Okay. I say that I'm going to strike on the other side behind me. Like, so I'm sandwiched in between the, and they're two doors down from me is a called an empanada shop. And it's like a meat pie. It's like a fried pie thing. Like it's not like a slice of pie, but it's like a hot pocket. If you're familiar with hot pockets, but it's more of like a Mexican flair type of thing. 
So like, I mean, that's how I found the studio actually is my wife and I had a COVID date night where we just watched a movie at home. And so I came here to get some, uh, some empanadas and pie to take home while we watched a movie and this place was empty. I'm like, huh, I think maybe I want to move in there because it's a cool location. (laughs) So good. So good. But let me bring it back to a normal day shooting. Let's take a Saturday for you because they sound full on. They sound like the big money day for you. So you've talked to the client and you booked them in for a Saturday morning. They come in. Um, have you actually had a conversation on the phone with them or is everything done via email or messenger? Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. I love that. And, and, and I don't let the kid get off when they say, I don't know. I'm like, oh, come on. That's a cop out answer. Come on. What's your favorite thing about your mom? You know, and then like they'll say, oh, I love that she makes macaroni and cheese. Oh, man, she must make the best macaroni and cheese in the world. You know, I mean, so I mean, I just think it creates that dynamic of like, it's not just a bunch of portraits and experience that they get to feel that bond between themselves of why they are a family. So good. Yeah. Now then there's an emotional connection to those images when they go into the sales room, you know, 20, 30 minutes later. John, this has been so good, mate. I'm so happy that we've had a chance to have this chat and get you on the show. If we were to talk in 12 months' time, you being the stats man that you are and having the motivating wife that you have, where do you see business being in 12 months? So my first full year from what I started working with Bernie in June, and then from June to June, I did 300K. I'm already, for this current calendar year, I'm over 300K. I'm at 316. So my hope is based on the numbers that I'm looking at, I'm going to be over probably 600 for the year um, at least. But next year in 2022, my goal is to be over 1 million for a year in the studio. And that's a lot of sessions, but I'm not going to do all those sessions. That's where I'm bringing in the associate and trying to get them more up to speed and all that stuff. And I have some plans to kind of upsell myself as the photographer and do like what we're going to call signature sessions where they actually can specifically, you know, pick me as their photographer instead of doing it with their associate if they want to. But that's down the line. I'm not doing that right now. But to answer your question, that's a long-winded, sorry, a million dollars is where I want to be in 2022. Unreal. Unreal. Well, considering, considering, I'll tell you this, Andrew, real quick, considering, let me pull this up, uh, growth chart. To give you some examples here, my 2019 revenue total for 2019 was $27,013. In 2020, my revenue total was $153,400. And my revenue so far this year is $316,374. So good, mate. You must be so proud just looking at those numbers. It's it's mind-blowing. Feels pretty good. I'm not going to lie. It's amazing. It's amazing. John, I'm going to add links to your website and your social media profiles. Obviously, you're a big part of the PhotoBizX members Facebook group, so members can hit you up there. Free listeners will be able to ask you questions in the comments area of the show notes. Mate, look, just massive congratulations and massive thanks for coming on and sharing your story. It's It's been a pleasure to watch you grow the business. And yeah, you, you seem like a different person, a different photographer to the one I saw a few years ago when you started in the group. And it's just it is really beautiful to see, mate. So I appreciate it. Thanks again for coming on. Well, I appreciate you. I've told you this before. Your group is like amazing and it's like photographers are just, it's gold and it's, it's such a great thing to be introduced to the people that you get to introduce to. And 
Like it's changed my life because I wouldn't have met some of the people that have helped me get to where I'm at. So I appreciate what you're doing for the photography community. Hope you enjoyed that interview with John as much as I did. John, if you are listening again, mate, thank you so much for coming on, sharing everything you have. And again, massive, massive congrats on your success. It, you know, you truly are an inspiration and, you know, from, from all of us at PhotoBizX, congratulations. It's so good. And again, thank you so much for sharing everything you have. I really am looking forward to following up with you in the future as well. And also, um, while I'm saying thanks, thank you too for being an open book and sharing what you do with the members in the group. You know, when, whenever anyone asks, you're always there to, to answer questions and uh, expand on, you know, whatever they're asking you, which I absolutely love. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. For you, the listener, I do hope you are coming away inspired and excited about business in general after hearing what John had to share. If you have a follow-up question for John, you can hit him up inside the members' Facebook group. You know, we've already talked about the fact that he's an open book and he really does share uh, you know, with, with all of us inside the group, which is amazing. If you aren't a member, and you should be, you can also ask John via his social media channels, or you can use the comments area of the show notes this week. The show notes, you'll find them at photobizx.com forward slash 433. I've got examples of John's beautiful work in there. I've got links to anything and everything he mentioned, including where you can find him online. It's all there in that one spot. You're listening to Photo Biz Exposed with your host, Andrew Helmich. Alrighty, that is it for this episode of the podcast. Before we do close out today's episode, if you have or know about a photographer with a success story like John, if there's a photographer out there that you'd love to hear interviewed for the podcast, if you'd like me to delve into their business to learn more about what they're doing to have the success they are, please let me know. I'd love to hear your suggestions for guests, whether they are wedding, portrait, pet, family, newborn photographers, if they photograph uh, headshots or personal branding. If you know someone that would make a great guest, please let me know. Shoot me an email. It's andrew at photobizx.com. I'm always happy to hear your suggestions and I'm always looking to interview fantastic photographers for the show. Again, I hope you got a ton from today's episode. Massive thanks to John for coming on, sharing what he did. I hope you have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. Stay safe and healthy. I'm going to close out this show before the hammering starts again. Have a great week. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 